Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our evening service, Sunday 26th of January, 2020. This evening we are joined by Pastor Clifford Morrison, who takes his reading from Matthew chapter 27, verses 24 to 31, and brings us a message entitled, Christianity and the Cross. You will find our Bible reading in Matthew 27. Matthew 27 and we're coming into the 27th chapter of Matthew's Gospel at verse 24 Matthew 27 and verse 24 and this is the word of the Lord so when Pilate saw that he was getting nothing but rather that a riot was beginning He took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and twisting together a crown of thorns they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand and kneeling before him they mocked him saying Hail King of the Jews and they spit on him They took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. Father, with our Bibles open, we humbly bow again in your presence. And, O God, we pray that you will just Impress your word upon our hearts tonight. And as we linger beneath the shadow of the cross and think again of our Savior, we pray that we might hear your voice and be receptive to your truth. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Recently, of a man who lived in Dundee in Scotland, I don't know his name, but he was confined to bed for 40 years, having broken his neck in a fall as a young man. But the writer said that his spirit remained unbroken and his cheer and courage so inspired people that he enjoyed a constant stream of guests. And one day a visitor asked him, Does Satan ever tempt you to doubt God? Oh yes, was his reply, he surely does. At times when I lie here and see my old schoolmates driving along in their cars and Satan whispers, if God is so good, why does he keep you here all these years? Why did he permit your neck to be broken? And the visitor responded by asking, what do you do when Satan whispers those things? And the man says, I take him to Calvary. I take him to Calvary. 
I take him to Calvary and I show him Christ and point to those deep wounds and say, you see, he does love me. And Satan has no answer to that. He flees every time I take him to Calvary. One of our modern hymns has these tremendous words, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. Upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. It's always good for the believer to keep their eyes on Jesus. The Christian life, as we know, begins with a look. There's life for a look at the crucified one. The message both of the Old and New Testament is to look to Jesus. For in him and only in him there is salvation. The Christian life continues with a look. We are runners in a race and we're to look to Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. And backsliding begins for the believer when they begin to take their eyes of the Lord. But the Christian life not only commences with a look and continues with a look, the Christian life is completed with a look. We are waiting for that blessed hope, that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lord is now rejected and by the world is soon, by the many still neglected, and by the few enthroned. But soon he's coming in glory. The hour is drawing near, for the crowning day is coming by and by. And our salvation tonight is nearer than when we first believed. When I first became a Christian, my understanding of the word salvation was very limited. I thought of it in terms of that evening when I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ in my mid-teens. And then I began to realize that salvation not only deals with a moment's decision, but salvation affects a life's direction. And because of the grace of God, we have been called to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And every day is a day when we experience the power of salvation. When God, through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, enables us to walk with Him and to talk with Him and to follow Him along life's way. But salvation not only relates to the past and the present, Salvation gives me glorious hope for the future. The old cotton field pickers used to sing this song, This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And the writer in his letter to the Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3, writes these words. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or become faint-hearted. Think on him, says another translation, 
Think of him. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. And as in a few moments we come to remember the Lord Jesus and the breaking of bread, we want to think about him tonight. We want to think about him on the cross. He is the crucified one. He is the one who has been scourged. He is the one who has been wounded. He is the one who bled and died, forsaken by God and forsaken by man. I don't know about you, but often I am too hurried in my reading of Scripture. And sometimes in our reading of God's Word, we can skip over a phrase here, there, and yonder. We read tonight from Matthew chapter 27. And we read these words concerning the actions of Pilate, that Pilate released for them, that is for the crowd, who were crying, away with him, crucify him. We will not have this man to rule of us. Give unto us Barabbas. Now Barabbas made some of the terrors of our day look like nothing in comparison to the terrorism within his day. But the crowd in their ignorance and in their sinfulness call for Barabbas. And the Spirit of God pens these words on Holy Scripture. And having scourged Jesus, Pilate delivered him to be crucified. I want you to think about that tonight. Having scourged Jesus, Pilate delivered him to be crucified. That word, scourge, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought of what that word meant in its eastern setting? The scourge was a short whip with several leather strips loaded with pieces of metal or glass or small metal balls. The victim was tied in a bent position, exposing his back to the maximum effect while lashes rained on him. And the punishment was so vicious that it tore chunks out of his body. Sometimes the victim's back muscles would be so badly shredded that the underlying bones were exposed. And the scourge could even whip around to the front of the victim's head and tear out his eyes. Some victims were literally scourged to death. Pilate, having scourged Jesus delivered him over to be crucified. In our Lord's case, the loss of blood was made worse by the crown of thorns being jammed on his head before he was led away to crucifixion. The victim was stripped naked and his wrists or hands kneeled to a cross beam. They nailed them to the pole and he was left there to die of a combination of shock, blood loss, and dehydration. It gives a very deep and meaningful thought to those words that we've sung for years, wounded for me, wounded for me. There on the cross he was wounded for me, gone my transgressions, and now I am three, all because Jesus was wounded for me. Think of him tonight. Consider him, says the writer. Think of him 
as the crucified one. He's crucified. But think of him tonight in the glory. You see, there is one seated at the Father's right hand who is described in Scripture as a great high priest. One who has been touched with all the feelings of our infirmities, tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He's no longer crowned with cruel thorns, but now crowned with glory and honor. Seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, the work is finished. The sacrifice has been accepted, and we are forgiven. How do I know tonight? How do I know tonight that all that Jesus Christ went through on the cross is sufficient to bring me salvation? It's sufficient to remove the guilt and to clear the debt because I'm a guilty sinner and I'm in debt because I have broken God's holy law. How do I know that what Jesus did on the cross was totally satisfying and sufficient? I know tonight because there's an empty grave. And I know tonight because there's a man in the glory, the man Christ Jesus, our great high priest, who loves us, who cares for us, who has been touched with all the feelings of our infirmities. I remember on one occasion listening to Bishop Fanta Clark telling a remarkable story. And I met him sometime later and I reiterated the story that he shared. It was a true story. And I asked him for permission to share this story with the congregation here in Cumber. He said, by all means. He tells of an occasion when he was seated in the Conley Street station in Dublin and he was with a friend waiting for the train. There was a little time to wait and so he ordered a cappuccino. And as the girl brought the cappuccino, he said to her, one of the things that fascinates me about the cappuccino that you serve is how do you get that hardship in the middle of the cappuccino? And with a smile in her eye and an Irish bro, she said, that's the secret of the trade. And then sitting by, there was a young lady at another table. And she said, could you make me a cappuccino? And she said, by all means. And then she said this, could you make me one with a broken heart? Could you make me one with a broken heart? And the clerk told me, he turned to her and he said, are you serious? She said, yes, I am. And then he said this. He said, I can never make you a cappuccino with a, a broken heart, but I can tell you one who heals broken hearts. And his name is Jesus. He's our great high priest tonight. He has been touched with all the feelings of our infirmities. We can never come into the presence of God and say to the Lord Jesus, you don't know how I feel. We meet some people in life and when we walk away from having conversation with them, we say within ourselves, they don't really know how I feel. They don't know what I'm going through. But Jesus knows where you are tonight. And there's an old song, Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Consider him tonight. 
He's the crucified one. Consider him on the cross tonight, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Think of him in the glory tonight. He is the crowned one. And think of him tonight, not just on the cross crucified, not just in the glory crowned, but think of him in the clouds, for he's the coming one. He's coming to claim and call his bride. You know, there's no such a thing as a perfect Christian. You're looking at a sinner tonight saved by grace. You're looking at a sinner tonight who is dependent every day upon the grace of God, trusting not in anything that he has done or could do or will ever be able to do to satisfy the just demands of a thanks holy God. But you're listening to a sinner tonight who is depending upon what Jesus Christ accomplished through his death on the cross. And if Jesus did not pay it all, then I'm still in debt. And if the cross of Christ has not removed the guilt of my sin, then I'm still guilty before God. But Jesus has paid it all. All to him I owe, sin has left the crimson stain, and he's washed it white as snow. And one day we shall be made perfect. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, says John. In 1 John 3, that we should be called the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know, we know, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. And as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup in a few moments, we eat and drink in anticipation of that day. We eat and drink, and in our eating and drinking, we're not saying that we're better than any sinners. We're not saying that we are the best people who's ever graced this scene of time. We're eating, and in our eating, and in our drinking, we're saying the words of Augustus Toplady of old, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. You see, everything within us urges us to run past the torturous sight of the death and burial of the Lord Jesus and move quickly to the tomb where the triumph of Calvary is announced and we focus on the living Lord and life everlasting that he has provided for all who trust in him. Chuck Swindle puts it like this. He says, but the Lord would take us on a different route. He has established a memorial. We call it the Lord's Supper. Communion or the breaking of bread. And through it, we are focused to return again to the cross and to the place called Calvary. The old hymn puts it like this. Jesus Keep me near the cross. Consider him. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or become faint-hearted. Are you weary tonight, brother? Are you weary tonight, sister? Here's heaven's cure. Consider him. 
and turn your eyes upon Jesus. Think of him on the cross. Think of him in the glory. And think of him on the clouds. And when Satan tempts you to despair and tells you of the guilt within, upward you look and you'll see him there, the one who made an end to all your sin. And because our sinless Savior died, our sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him. Pardon you and pardon me. What a Savior tonight. And what a salvation. As we come to the table, we continue to focus on the cross. And we sing these lovely words on the cross on the cross where the king of glory died here is grace here is love flowing from that wounded side we stand to sing this hymn and after we have sung this hymn we will be seen it and then someone will lead us in thanks for the bread and then at the appropriate time another will lead us in thanks for the cup but let's reflect upon what we've been thinking tonight and let's stand to sing about Jesus on the cross thank you